It is September 15, 2021. This is Lawyer Talk off the record on the air. It is a Blitz Wednesday without the Blitz, it turns out. Uh, I guess they just couldn't keep up with us. <laughs> yeah. They just don't have that metal. You they know, don't. They it, just don't. I understand. You know, we're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know it's it's tough it's tough to keep up but well, uh, you know somebody asked me the other day are you an expert in what you do and you never d- kind of say that you are do you I mean it's but but if you start thinking of the hours that you put in to do a certain thing yeah. by definition I said I'm an expert in it yeah <laughs> so it, we've got the hours in don't we you stayed at a Holiday Inn huh, yeah right yeah there <laughs> right. you go you know we've got the hours in but it's experts you know it. you yeah. just brought up a good point I was going to go off on something else already but here we'll hit this it's like an expert so am I an expert at practicing criminal defense law now the Bar Association wouldn't let me say that as a as an advertising means but am I an expert or uh, are you an expert in podcasting all you can say is that I've done it a long time and I and I stay up on what I do, but you could not be an expert tomorrow if you stopped, right? I mean, it's like right. you, 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 you can't just say I'm an expert and stop. It almost has this connotation like I've reached the apex. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's it. Because I always thought it was interesting that, you know, lawyers have a practice. Yeah. When do you become an expert then? And doctors too. It's like my, <laughs> and doctors have a practice. Well, when do you when do you stop being practicing? You yeah. know, it's, it's just, all that studying at the bar. Yeah. Oh, oh wait a minute. For the bar. For, For the, the bar. bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I in my in my business when I was uh, consulting, they used to say, and this shows you how uh, creaky old I am, that an expert was a guy with a carousel full of slides. That was more than 50 miles from home. That's that's a definition of an expert. Yeah. And, you know, there is some there is some validity to that. It's like if you can't do it, you teach it. So you just uh, uh, you just share what you uh, what you think, you know, with others who are already experts. But uh, yeah. fake it until you make it, fake it until you make it. But no, an expert. Yeah. I don't know if I'm an expert. I, don't know. I think I'm pretty good at it. I think uh, I think the more I know, the less I know. I mean, the, the, like I, I realize now when I when I first started trying cases, it was a it was like this mountain I had to I had to climb, and I could do it. Then the more I have done it, the more hard, the more difficult it is for me to do it. Not because I don't know what I'm doing, because I do. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I realize that I can't. There, there's nothing simple. No, and that's all about experience you know you know all the nuance and the depth and the different variables and the options and the things you can do that uh really get scary at some point or uh maybe you know what the outcome can be even if you do all those things right and maybe the better term is are you experienced are you experienced great album maybe yeah jimmy yeah great album let's pull back on that one maybe it's better than being an expert so yeah but i i i would say the best thing i learned in law school um, was not um, a definitive black letter law about anything, but it was to settle myself into a mindset that I don't know anything for sure. Yeah. And where I got that was this paranoia that I'd be writing a paper or answering a question with, from a professor and I hadn't shepherdized it, you know, to use an old school expression, this is way before LexisNexis, but you, you would have to go to the law school library, look up um, common law cases or, or decisions from regulatory agencies, and get the last 
very last, most recent supplement stuffed into the back of the hardbound book that would update you on how accepted or or rejected that particular uh, precedent was now uh, in the eyes of whatever the court or the regulatory body. And I was always concerned that even before it was put into print, some some court or agency somewhere had issued a ruling that had made my argument that I was so confident of completely obsolete. Mm -hmm. And of course that's true. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. Let me back up. So this is lawyer talk and we are going to, we are going to continue this conversation because now I've just written down like five things (laughs) that I want to talk about, but I should say uh, it is uh, Brett with circled 270 media norm sitting in and and probably more permanently, I hope. uh, And obviously uh, Steve here, I've never introduced myself, but that's it. Uh, we are not going to interface with the Blitz. They, they couldn't make it. They couldn't keep up with us, as we said. Uh, but with, the show must go on. So we're going to get to some questions that came through on the Lawyer Talk Podcast website. Uh, that's LawyerTalkPodcast.com. But we're going to continue and go back to uh, this discussion that, Norm, you just – I had all these notes, and you've just thrown me into this thing. I can't help myself. Uh, <laughs> it's Jared, the old Sergeant Schultz thing. You know, I know, I know nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and really, that was the best lesson I got out of law school. It absolutely is, is. Is don't march out of those doors as a newly minted um, law school grad or, you know, lawyer and, and confidently go forward, you know, thinking you know the definitive answer to anything. Yeah, and, and it is, it's not probably by accident they call it the Socratic method after Socrates, who said he was the wisest man, or at least the oracles, didn't they say that? Or somebody said he's the wisest man because he knew nothing. He knew what he didn't know. Uh, and uh, he knew that there was a quest, and it's a constant uh, journey and quest for knowledge that, uh, that made him so insightful and intelligent. Is not what he knew, it's what he didn't know. But, and he uh, was literally executed for asking questions. Executed for asking, and had a, had a way out. <laughs> he could have said no. He could he could have gone along and 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 chosen not to. Uh, he could have just could have avoided it. But no, took the poison. He knew all about big tech and social media uh, fascism way before it ever happened, because we're canceling people for asking questions. Yep. Yeah. Um, for yeah. for seeking the truth, we are we are canceling. Now here's what's interesting. You. Uh, you went off on um, not not went off, but you you went on this uh, discussion of law school and what you did in law school. And it, I don't know how long it was, but I wrote down a bunch of words. I put truth in quotes because you said you know nothing, and I'll get to that. I wrote advance sheet because you were talking about the little things that go in the back of the law books. Yeah. I wrote eighteen twelve, and then I wrote Socrates. I've already hit that, <laughs> and I wrote doctor versus do. All right. So all those things, like what you said. <laughs> In my, that's how my brain works. Wow. I, I, I have this, wow. And I'm going to hit him. I triggered you. That's a palate. I, I am triggered. <laughs> so truth, you know, in law school, you realize there, you know nothing. It's a constant quest. But there is a constant underlying truth that I think we rely on in order to have everything else we're going to learn and everything else we need to debate make sense. Like we know uh, certain fundamental things have to be true. And we, we come at that by our own reason and our own logic and our own experience. And then we try in law school, you're taught to apply that to other things and come up with the best answer when maybe there is no right answer. You know, you, you come up with a best solution. Um, it's not about, we never learn that this is the law. You learn, wow, you know, this jurisdiction said this, this one said that, uh, this court reasoned X, Y, Z, and this court reasoned uh, a different way and came up with a different answer. And then you would argue to say which one's uh, correct. 
or if I have a basic truth that I guess in our in the legal world would be represented by a black letter statement of law, like uh, you can't kill people, or you shall not, or murder is, uh, uh, what was the common law? Taking of one life by another without mitigation, justification, or excuse. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the law. Now, what is a mitigation? What is a justification? What is an excuse? Now, those things are based on the truth that that's the definition, but now we've got to go explore what they mean in a particular context. So it's sort of interesting. I, I think a lot of people took maybe even in maybe the 70s, this sort of a different view of the law where it became a, uh, uh, where truth was questioned. Truth itself was questioned. Sure. You know, the, the uh, I forget what they call it, the, um, uh, uh, a very radical viewpoint on the well, law. Well, even, even life uh, was questioned. So one of the mind-blowing cases that um, I remember studying, these cases were starting to come in in the mid-80s when I was in law school, was the um, the wrongful... So we've all heard of wrongful death cases. I mean, that's that goes back to the beginning of time. You know, you, you, you sue someone because uh, you were in a car accident um, and, uh, you know, they killed your brother that was riding in the passenger seat and it, uh, you know, it was a, a wrongful death, negligence, usually not intentional. But it, along comes this new class of cases called wrongful life. <laughs> and, you know, like it, it shook the fundamentals of what I thought, you know, our, uh, the underpinnings of society were all about. And this is where people would be suing their parents. So you're talking about a, a liberated adult um, who, who decides to sue mom and dad because they decided to uh, birth him instead of aborting him. And uh, some of these uh, uh, plaintiffs were not even, you know, it, it's not like they had Down syndrome or, or they were born with a cleft lip or anything like that. The, the, just people who found that life was drudgery or life was painful uh, or some aspect of life and they didn't want to be alive anymore. Or they, they felt that the very fact that they had to endure their lives was cosmically unforgivable, and they needed to sue their parents for having them. Yeah. And the, and the, idea, the idea that the courts didn't throw those cases out as just, you know, almost administratively, like, that's absurd. And, yeah. yeah. It, but, but no, no, they, they actually would hear those cases, hear the arguments, and then, uh, you know, obviously some jurisdictions, you know, went one way and others went others, but uh, another way. But it, it just, things just started to, for me in our society, things started to fall apart. Right around, I don't know what it was. When I was in law school, I just started to see more and more absurd things. People defending the Soviet shootdown of KAL 007, uh, you know, over the uh, over the uh, cur- uh, over the Soviet peninsula. Um, I'm trying to think of what is it the Sakhalin? I don't. Know. I, I forget the name of the particular remote peninsula of the Soviet Union where that Korean, South Korean airliner drifted into Soviet airspace and they shot the fricking plane down, <laughs> you know, yeah. full of yeah. people. They, yeah. they shot a 747 out of the sky instead of forcing it to land or lodging some kind of complaint 
and 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 we would have law school professors at my law school defending the Soviet Union's right to do that, and 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 you you know you would just think the world has turned upside down. Yeah, and when when did you graduate law school? Uh, eighty five. All right, so you were right on the right at almost the the. I don't want to call it the apex, but sort of the rising tide of this critical legal theory and all all this uh, like there is no uh, fundamental truth in the basis of what it is and, no, and critical right. and legal theory is only is a is a construct of of society rather than some fundamental truth. Right, and that's why I wrote down the word truth because there there was a push. I remember even learning it. We all had to take. Uh, in law school, your first year, you take some sort of legal studies class, like what is it and what's it all about? And mine was dominated by a professor, and she was a critical legal theorist, a feminist legal theorist. And it really is the, it, it's the, well, it's directly connected to what people now are arguing about, critical race theory, that it was a construct, that it was, everything is invented. There is no truth. It, when it probably has its origins back in postmodernism and some of that philosophical thought, but uh, we don't need to. I mean, that's a that's a <laughs> dive we don't need to go into. But uh, it 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 really results in utter confusion. Now, law school itself is confusing, and then if you if you say there is no fundamental reality that it starts with, so no foundation, then it's impossible, right? right. Everything is possible. You can sue your parents. You can do this. You can do that. Right. And there is nothing. The only reason we have laws is not premised upon some notion of truthful morality that we all have inherent. Uh, the natural law theory, for instance. Instead, um, it's uh, it's something completely different. Get it's, what you can and go for it. Get yeah, you, yeah, yeah. 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 Want, want, uh, all for yourself and and no one else, <laughs> kind of thing. Wow. And that that becomes the problem if you if you try to build a legal system without a fundamental notion of moral uh, reality. And you a, can, a, a shared set of a shared set, values. Yeah. Values maybe is the right that, way. That 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 you know basic human rights. Yes. You know uh, what kills me about the the shoot down. <laughs> this is so old, but I I mean for me I think about these things in 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 context with today's argument about our southern border. The law professors that were defending the actions of the Soviet Union. Um, and, and, and the Soviet Air Force in shooting down a civilian airliner full of passengers, full of men, women, and children and, and the crew um, for drifting into Soviet airspace are the very same professors that would say uh, we should have open borders. Yeah. So wait a minute. We should have open borders, but it's okay for the Soviet Union to defend its borders in the most military, militarily uncompromising way possible when they can read the lettering on the airplane they can they have the tail number they're they're communicating with the cockpit and telling the giving the pilot orders and the pilot's not responding perhaps he had a radio issue i i don't know all that or they're on different freaks right who knows but they knew what they were shooting down and it's, it's just unbelievable. And, the, and to have those and to be a young person in law school and the same professors would say, um, you know, we, our country should not have a wall. We shouldn't have a fence. People should be able to come to the come to America. You know, we'll 
well, gosh, why doesn't that work in the Soviet Union? And, and the problem with this <laughs> is really what we're talking about is what I'll call shape-shifting standards, where your standards, where, you, where the fundamental values, the, the value structure, the morality we're talking about upon which our legal system is based I would argue, changes. Steve, if I can, John, I would argue it was all political because who was president in Correct. the mid-80s? It was yeah. Ronald Reagan. You bet. And all it was, it, all it was, Ronald Reagan had called the Soviet Union the, you know, evil, evil empire. empire. Right. Right. And, and here was more evidence of it, that, that, that they were morally bankrupt, no respect for life. You know, I mean, they were, they, were, they were up to their hips in gore all over the world in these jungle wars in Afghanistan, all kinds of things that, that, that the Soviet Union was, was doing to extend its power. And um, so know, in order to in order to so the professors just didn't like. They didn't like it. And it was a power grab. Yeah. And they did like that ideological notion of, of communist utopia. I mean, there is like at right. the bottom of some of these truists anyway, at least right. they have that. Right. Um, Their argument was, well, we would have done that. Yes. And I'm like, that's a, what about him? Dude, yeah. dude, do you think the, do you think our generals or do you think our president would scramble the national guard, you know, air to shoot down to a shoot Russian passenger the, liner? Are you kidding me? Never in a million years. Never now, in a million years. We might have forced him to the ground and tried to turn him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. But sure. uh, we would never have shot him but down. But I mean, in, no, fact, uh, in no what crack pipe universe, right? If it happened in the United States, it would have been a, somebody, it would have been an accident or it wouldn't have been intentionally shot down. Oh, my God. And I, and no. I doubt that would have even happened. But, no. you know, when, when you run into this, this is the exact problem. You cannot, we all try to have some consistent standard on how we view life, how we go through things day in and day out. And if you treat one person differently based on their skin color, we just know inherently that's wrong. Correct. If we treat one person differently based upon what's between their legs, we know that's inherently wrong, Correct. unless, of course, we're doing it, you know, at least with the gender thing. Like, right. I'm going to treat women differently because I like women, and you know, I have a, I have a, I'm not. That's different. Sure. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to treat them poorly because of what's between their legs. I'm not going right. to treat them right. poorly because of the color, the color of their skin, right. or anything else. Um, and and that's just a fundamental truth. Like we like consistency. Otherwise, my favorite argument in court. It's not fair. You can't have it both ways. It's not fair. Right. And, you know, there was a commercial. I don't know what commercial, what, what they were trying to sell, but it, it hit me. And it actually got me thinking about my arguments in court. There were two kids and uh, one, like the kid's in a circle and they give him a piece of candy or something. And then the kid next to him gets a bike or, you know, it's like, I forget what exactly it was, but the kid is like, wait a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I, wait, he gets that. And I don't get this. It's not fair. They were treated differently and it's not fair. Your, your standards have, you have to, you have to reduce your fundamental truth down to something that you can apply, um, consistently. Absolutely. Well, what is the biblical uh, story about the the uh, the farm owner who is paying wages all oh, yes, day long? Yes, you bet. But they still pay. He still pays the the guys that come in like the last two hours the same wages as the guys that were there all day. Sure. The parable. I forget. It's a parable, but that's exactly right. right. So the 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 farm owner or the landowner. I guess what would happen is the you would go congregate in town, right, and say who's going to pick up work, sort of like in the depression era when. The guys outside the factory, it's like, I'll take you and you. you, and, you yeah. and uh so you would go into town, you'd pick up your day laborers and they would go and they'd work a day's wage. So then he went in the morning, picked the laborers, they were happy for X say five dollars for the day. And then they'd go in at noon or later in the day and and say, Come on and work 
and they gave them $5. And then they picked up people at the very end of the day and they gave them $5. And uh, the, the people who worked all day were like, wait a minute. I worked all day and I only got five dollars. They only worked a little bit and got five dollars. Like it, it, it violated their notion of fairness. Now mm-hmm. they were saying something bigger biblically with the story that. But that, it's but in essence the same thing. Did he cheat cheat anybody? No, no, he cheated no one. Nobody was treated any differently. They all bargained independently mm-hmm. for their deal. Right, and right. and that's what they were trying to say. It's like you can and I, I think from a bigger perspective, it's never too late. Right to right. to come and and do the right and and, do the and right accept thing. Jesus Christ or accept God or or, or do do well or do good. Mm-hmm. It's never too late. You know, you can come at the end. You can come at the beginning. We're all going to be there at the end anyway. And that was sort of the the mm-hmm. game. But uh, you know, what the point I think Christ was trying to make is how how dare you say that's not fair? They made their own deal with me and not you. And you mm-hmm. made your own deal with the landowner. And these are different things. Um, and it. it why are you worried about what the other guy's got or doesn't have? But it still hits our fundamental notion right. of fairness. Well, it, it's almost that the, the, the question everybody asks is: Is Adolf Hitler in heaven or hell? <laughs> yeah. And if he, at the very last minute, you bet. asks for forgiveness, biblically, he gets it's truly in his heart. In his heart, you can't fake it. Can't fake it. God, and God if he did, then we're going to see him. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, yeah. And there's but, a difference in that in that parable from what the government is doing as we build a human legal system versus what we do as individuals. Now, what's what's fascinating to me is like, what if we would engineer that? We'll take that parable and go further with it and say, all right, we don't like that. I don't like that those people got the same wage as those as the others that started late. So I, as king, am going to make a rule that says you can't do that. If you're a private person, you're not allowed to do that. You have to pay everybody the same wage uh across the board, or you have to adjust it by hour, and you're not allowed to choose how much you pay people. Now what we have is the government cramming down regulatory stuff on individuals, uh, and what are they doing? They It sounds great on the face of it, but really what they're doing is severely restricting, if not eliminating, the workers' ability to bargain for their own benefit, because now those who started early next time could say, wait a minute, I want more than you gave me last time, but not if the government crams it down. Uh, and you're you're regulating the employers or the farm owners' ability to uh, to operate freely. So he may go to the person who he perceives needs it the most. You know, maybe the guy whose wife died and has starving kids, and says, "You know what? You were I, I know, or or you you've lost an arm yesterday and you're still healing, or you're cut, and you can't work. So you come at the end. I'm going to pay you because I'm going to be charitable about it. Like it, it doesn't leave room for those kind of things once you start enforcing it. So the, I guess the fundamental truth here is freedom. And also, uh, he may just decide I'm not going to town every day to pick up employees. I'm going to buy a tractor. Uh, right. So because right. I'm not dealing with this regulation, I'm buying a tractor. I'm going to buy a tractor. I'm going to put the little kiosk so you you don't have to order from the high school kids anymore. It. You're going to get right. Uh, right. you're going to order from a computer, like it or not, yep. like it like at the Sheets gas stations. Yeah, and yeah. That, which which um, if you go into a Sheets in in some of their locations, you interact. So, so you, I'm told I've never done it, but I'm I'm told you can buy a fabulous cheeseburger at Sheets. And, That's what and, I keep hearing too. I was yeah, right in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, cheeseburger, I, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, yeah. cheeseburger, <laughs> cheeseburger. <laughs> so, from what I hear, it, it, you know, it, 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 I guess as as fast food goes, it's pretty decent uh, from from what I'm told. But 
Yeah, you you interact with uh, a screen, and uh, at, you know down a chute or or in some kind of little window, you know with your with your order number is is the product when they're finished with it. So it's uh it's a little bit like that magic window they had on uh, the the spaceship Enterprise in Star Trek, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know you'd say, hey, I, I want a steak, you know, and uh, you know, Kirk would 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 type in steak and and then the mo- the molecules would come together, yeah, they would make it right. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's uh, there. There's all sorts of adverse consequences that come from trying to regulate one thing. Yeah. you know, you turn this and that changes sure. and that changes and that changes. Sure. But the fundamental maybe maybe it's interesting to say this that the what you're really doing is destroying the one fundamental truth sure. that we all would agree on which is freedom and sure. and you can say well you could use your freedom to hurt others well you can draw a line there you're not allowed to cause you know yeah. i'm going to protect your rights and your and somebody else's freedom but uh, the freedom to bargain openly and freely for your deal for your life for what you do day in and day out um once you start tinkering with that from above naturally from a human standpoint it causes problems like what we're talking about. Right? Well, and also the government uh, loves to reduce complex uh, social interactions into tinker toy simple boxes. You know, like sure. think things need to be standardized. And so they'll approach farming. You know, with with the range of farming being everything from Ma and Pa who do all their own work and have no pickers. And, you know, provide for all their own labor uh, all the way up to these mega farms that are, you know, owned by, you know, uh, Fortune 500 companies. So you've, you've got the full range. And yet, you know, the, 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 the ag department or the, or the, or the people that, that want to regulate a lot of times will impose the same kinds of standards and structures and impose the same restrictions um, upon a farm regardless of size right. or regardless of what they're raising or regardless of the environmental conditions in which they're in. Swampland is different than sure. open plain. Like water regulations like this. It, it's, it's nonsense. It's and, nonsense. And maybe this is relevant in two ways. One with Jared and his business, which I'll leave aside for a second. The other, though, with something that came out most recently, and this is the 100-employee vaccine mm. mandate on private employers right and you know one of the first things i thought is like why 100 i thought that too where did this number come from well any company that has like 106 employees or 104 they're gonna fire six of them (laughs) come on yeah i mean jeez hadn't thought about that well it's the unemployment act of 2021 i mean it's just it's 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 insanity it's insanity Or, or or a guy will He'll, he'll he'll take his company and divide it in two. Sure. Now I got two companies. Now I got fifty each. So I'm cool. Um, and and it's um or you're gonna put people and this is what happens with uh, some of these other cram down wage regulation is people who are working full time are now working part time. Right. Yeah. Thirty nine hours versus forty. You bet. Yeah, right. All of a sudden. Yeah. And and it's because they can't afford it. And right. how are these companies going to <clears throat> afford testing? How are they gonna? And what are they going to do when half their people or a quarter of their people or whatever percentage of unvaccinated people say, you know what, enough's enough, I quit, give me unemployment? Well, what um, lights my fuse about this is that the government, Congress in particular, is exempted. So Congress and their staff are exempted from this uh, Biden mandate. Um, the post office employees are exempted. Um, 
it's it it's it it, it, it it's just like uh, Obamacare. Congress was exempted from that. It's just like Social Security. Congress ex- is exempted from that. It's just like the minimum wage law. Congress is exempted from that. Um, a lot of the civil rights legislation, Congress is exempt from that. It's, it's illegal it, immigrants. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. off the hook. It well, it it's it, it, the norm. The norm presidency would be introduction of legislation to make Congress subject to all of the mandates that Congress subjects the rest of us to. Sure. So Congress's retirement plan would be Social Security. Their tri-health plan, out the door, they would be on Obamacare. Congress needs to experience, whether it's this VAX legislation or mandate or whatever they do, but Norm, they need to experience what Norm, the rest of us experience. Norm, the pigs, they have a very difficult job. They need to sleep in the beds in the farmer's house. Mm. Even though we regulated and created a rule that you shall not sleep in beds. But it turns out it's so exhausting being this smart. Yes. It's so exhausting <laughs> making all these difficult decisions right. for the rest of the masses yeah. right. that we need our rest. Yes. We need to go sleep in the farmer's house, sleep sure. in the farmer's bed, and eat right. the farmer's food. Yeah, so porridge is cold. Clothes. The porridge yeah. is cold. Yeah. I'm going to complain when I'm at Goldilocks' table. Right. So, the porridge is cold here. Hey, what's going on? Treat me better. So all pigs are equal. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Right. And this is what we're talking about. This is Animal Farm. This is 1984. This is what we're talking about. Well, it's creating. It's created an elite class of people, you know, whether it's the Obama summer party where nobody's masking or socially distant, you know, out there at the Obama compound on Martha's Vineyard this past summer. Yep. And they said, well, hey, we're a sophisticated group of people we don't need to know if they've vaxxed and they don't need to wear masks. Because and they literally said that these, they this literally, is a, they, right. that, that might've been their word. Sophisticated was their word. Exactly. Because they can be trusted. Right. They're more sophisticated. And let's just translate. Sure. We're smarter than you. Right. And we're, we're able to be safe, but so, so all you're you, not. Right. All you dumbasses in, in Gehanna, you know, or, or Westerville, you know, or, or, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're just rubes. You know, out there in flyover country, it, 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 the, you know those the, those privileges are not for you you folks. You know that that's for us. We we we're we're the people that know better. So we don't live under these mandates of Social Security and Obamacare and and masking and vaxing. You know we we're we're above that. But you know we need to think for you because you're too stupid to think for yourself. So what we're gonna do is. We're going to help you because you're your children, and and we're the smart people. We're the elites. Yeah, we'll do the thinking for you. Yeah. You just do what just the hell we tell you. Do to it, do. Do what we tell you to do. Right. But you know, it's funny that that, and to take devil's advocate side on on sure. the vaccine and unvaxing, that attitude exists in the unvax, the the anti-vax people though too, that they feel smarter than the vaxed people. Well, I I just came look, from that where I grew up. And at a wedding. And I mean, it is truly 
the same kind of attitude. Well, I would I say would, you're you're, you're right about some it of is. those, and that's sad because not all not, of there's I'm no better totally, ground. I'm God. totally cool with that though. So here's how yeah, I look no, at this: no, 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 yeah. If you can, this is this is the fundamental notion right. of truth, which is freedom. So yeah. there's a difference to me fundamentally right. of somebody thinking they're smarter than somebody else because either they a got vaccinated or b chose not to. Right. Then the government saying. We know better than all of you, and we're going to force True. you to do it. Right. right. And yes, so, good point. Yeah, now, oh, for sure. Yeah. The yeah. the wedding is an opportunity, I would think, for open and honest debate about this, that, or the other amongst free people. The government cram down is, eliminates not. that debate right. and says, you're not smart enough to even have that discussion, folks. We're doing it for you. And off we go. True. And those in support right now of vaccination are totally cool with it because they think the government's right. But what if that lightsaber turns on them and is used to do, to uh, cram down something they don't like? Well, and they've already exempted themselves from it. Yeah, but the power, <laughs> they already have. Yeah, right. I think I think it's I think it's more sophisticated actually the the spectrum than pro-vax anti-vax. I think there are a lot of people that are anti-compulsory vax. Yes. Right? They're not against... Uh, I'll Wait, just, no, I'll, you're, you're exactly right. I'll True. speak for myself. True. I'm not, I'm not pro-vax. I'm not anti-vax. True. I believe, as I started the program out, I believe I don't know a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure. I'll change that. I'm sure I don't know a lot of things. I, I, I have heard... I believe it's reliable because, you know, people from Johns Hopkins and Stanford and, you know, well-respected, the, you know, Mayo Clinic, uh, Cleveland Clinic have said that there is evidence that the vaccine can have some heart issues for young boys. There is some evidence that there is a possible downside for some of the vaccines for fertility Mm -hmm. for young women. And, and and on and on. There are there are some issues. I, I heard a statistic that in the state of Massachusetts right now, this week, seventy-four percent of the people in the hospital are people who have previously been vaccinated. Okay? So clearly the vaccine the vaccines and perhaps it's a question of not getting boosterized. I don't know. I, there are things I don't know, but it's clear that the vaccines are not a panacea. They don't work for everybody. They don't work as long as we had hoped they would work. And it's also clear that it's not a political thing. So you have Nicki Minaj, for example, having this huge blow up with Joy Reid. Now, clearly both lefties and, and they're, they're having a girlfriend explosion on Twitter right now. Uh, between these two very much left-wing uh, women about uh, who's the idiot and who's the who's the dumbass b-word and 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 they're they're trading insults back and forth it, it's not a trump thing that the media has tried to make it out into trump at every speech gives a pro vaccine recommendation to his audiences so, and he's very proud of his warp speed vaccination ramp up. So, I mean, I don't see this as conservative, liberal. I see it as, you know, self-determination versus being uh, dictated to. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I, I just think that 
I'm a HIPAA guy. I, I think it ought to be between me and my doctor, and I don't think HR should be allowed to ask me if I'm vaxxed or not or what my status is. And I should be able to keep that confidential between me and my doctor based on what Norm Murdoch's needs are, Norm Murdoch's health, my particular age, my DNA, my, my background, you know, my particular medical issues. And, and that would be true for you, Brett, you, for, mm-hmm. you, Steve, for anybody. Well, all that sounds awful reasonable. Yeah, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Isn't that how we make health decisions on every other issue? And it's kind of funny. I know that we pretty much know we all three or whoever sits at the table where we stand on this, but we've never asked each other, did you get shot? Did you get shot? We don't do that here. I don't care. Yeah. I really, really don't. No. I was not afraid I'd stay at home. It's none of my business. I'd stay at home. None of my business. I'd shelter in place. To your hip as fact. Yes, I'd shelter in place if I was vulnerable. If I was in that niche population, the elderly with, uh, you know, uh, some kind of pre-existing condition, hey, you know, I, I, would, yeah. be, I would be at home. I, I, I wouldn't go out. I'd have Cricket or one of these, I don't know what it would, one of these services that delivers groceries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd, you know, I'd Amazon everything in. Not that I'm well, Mr. Amazon. I'd, I'd use somebody it's, it's beside interesting. it, you know. But use the services that I'd are stay, available. I'd stay at home. It's yeah. interesting that you said that. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But one, one quick thing I want to comment on is that you were exactly right. When Brett and I were talking about that a minute ago, we were sort of like a, it was a zero-sum game, either you're pro or against. But there are a lot of people, me included, that say, I think that if you want to get vaccinated, have at it. It's awesome. If you don't have at it, it's awesome. I do not, even if I thought that vaccines were the end-all be-all and would solve all world hunger and all the world problems, I would not say that there should be a federal government vaccine mandate in any form, whether it's a lever of power used to force private individuals or private uh, entities to force it, or whether it's a direct crampdown. I would say that is more dangerous to me. That exercise of power and that power grab is more dangerous to me in the long run than somebody who either gets vaccinated or doesn't get vaccinated. And, well, and I, I will just say, I will just say, suppose suppose Biden, see, see, I, I won't look at this as uh, quite as doctrinaire, and I'm not saying you are, Steve, but I, I, I think there is a little reflexiveness to this, and I would like to take that back out. I'd like to depoliticize this. So, for example, if Biden had issued a mandate that said, hey, I'm ordering everybody in this country not to play in the highway okay do not go out on the highway and play in, and play on that highway don't don't take your soccer ball your baseball glove do not get out on the interstate and play okay i would not take that mandate and then go okay i'm 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 george costanza opposite day i'm going to go play in the highway right? right so i don't take the vaccine mandate to be okay because he said I must get a vac- vaccine. I'm against the vaccine. No, I'm against the order to yes. have the vaccine. And that's a, that's not even a subtle distinction. That's a very obvious. That's a distinction. very obvious yeah. distinction. But I I think that gets lost here. So here's my recommendation: keep an open mind. Yeah. Okay, learn, study, listen. So if the vaccination, as as you know, and there's three different ones. They 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 from what I understand, the Johnson and Johnson is very different than the other two. And, and, and so there are complexities here. There's not a vaccination. There's actually, you know, a, a, a menu of vac- vaccinations with various boosters to follow on. So study all that. Listen to your doctor. 
understand the pros and cons, and then I think you make the best decision for you sure. personally. And, and Keep an open mind. Just because Biden says you have to get the vaccine, if you're one of those people, don't automatically be against the vaccine. Yeah. Find out more about it. Maybe it's maybe it is right for you. And I am personally, I, I struggle with this. Maybe it's my own struggle with authority, generally speaking. The more I am in, in I, here's what I tell, I'll give you an example. The, when, when people call me and say, and one of the questions I have later will be interesting because it, it has to do with answering questions uh, from police officers. And I always say this because the police are very good at getting people to talk. And my standard response now, I, I try to dig into like the human psyche of it. Well, they I have a gun people, on their hip for one. You know, The more <laughs> they get upset for you not talking, the more you know you're making the right decision. The more they want you to do it, the more you know that you're right to resist. And it doesn't mean you resist unlawfully. You're resisting very lawfully. But uh, And that's a hard one for me to avoid, maybe because of my job, my child, who knows what's swimming around in my pelt. But it, it's like I always, the more it gets crammed down, the more I question. And it's because I just feel like what's wrong with the freedom of, of my own freedom to make the choice? And if somebody's trying to convince me to do something, I, it, it's like, uh, you, you protest too loudly, sir. And uh, it makes me want to resist. But I think, Norm, your point is really good, is that that's not rational either, at least in the context of the vaccinations. Just because they're trying to force it and you don't like that they're trying to force it doesn't mean you shouldn't explore it. Right. Um, and, yeah, and for that's sure. Uh, For sure. Now, the other thing I wanted to get back to on what you said is you said uh, if you wanted to, you could, you could shelter in place. You could stay home. You could order food from wherever. Uh, you could get your goods and, and products from Amazon and have it delivered. And you could basically just stay at your house for the rest of your life. Um, ironically, that is exactly why our dear president said this is not a, a restriction on anybody's liberty. Because they have a choice. They don't have to go to work. They can just stay home, have food delivered. They can uh, they can choose not to go to movies. They can choose not to go outside. They can they can uh, choose to uh, order their food and their goods and their services and everything else just by uh, remote internet. So no big deal. It's you're not violating your freedom at all. It, it, where I come from, that's prison. Yeah, you know, it's house right. arrest. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we call right. that. That's like a that's like a halfway house right. between prison and freedom. And and the it, difference being one is voluntary self incarceration, correct, and the other is being imposed on you. It's being imposed it's on completely you. Completely different thing. Yeah, which is uh, which is absolute lunacy. Um, back to some of those words I wrote. I wrote down doctor versus do. You said in in law school. This is again sort of relevant to some of the medical uh, stuff I'm seeing out there. We as lawyers learn to think. I think. That makes sense. We learned to think like we, we were taught a certain discipline to analyze problems and think about them. And and main thing is we were taught where to go to get answers. Yep. How to research, where to go. We, you know, we don't I, know. I went into law school thinking I'm here to get all the answers. And I was disabused of that notion early on. Yes. That if you're here looking for a definitive answer to you know, when when this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and all of these factors, you could load into a computer and boop, 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 out comes a piece of tape. You tear it off and it goes, oh, OK, he's guilty and he goes away for 12 years. Yep. OK, if justice was that simple, that's what I was looking for. And that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. That, that, that's not how it works. Not in the United States. <laughs> in China, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because they tell you exactly what they're going to do. You do yeah. this, we're going to kill you. Right. You do this, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. Martial law, basically. Martial law. Yeah. 
Um, but here it's not so simple. Yeah. And, and, you know, civil law particularly, torts and, and redress of one individual citizen uh, for something that another well, did. Well, and even, hey, come on. You were talking about forum shopping before, uh, basically, that one court, a circuit court in one part of the country has a completely different take on the Constitution than another circuit. So then you you do forum shopping. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it, and it goes right down to where the rubber meets the road. You, you know, you're in Licking County or Hocking County or whatever county you're at. And, uh, hey, we all know one judge, you know. One judge sees the law one way, and you know, it, it, if your client, you know, when, when they roll the dice and and they assign your case to a particular judge, it's a little bit like um, a lottery. Yeah, I mean, it just is. And and some judges, even day to day, you know, it, it, gosh, is the judge having a good day? Gosh, he seems a little angry today, and he's not tolerating this particular argument today whereas yesterday he would tolerate yeah we're gonna ask for a con- brief continuance right? that's we're, how we'll come back next week that's I how, do it all the time that's how shitty or variable or whatever pejorative you want to put on it our our justice system is but it's also a human institution well and and we have learned i guess to sort of operate within the variance of it and and still with that underlying truth but operate within the variance and as lawyers I think as I, as I as I practice law, I deal with lots of different areas of expertise. I deal with DNA. I deal with um, psychology. I deal with expert testimony on all sorts of topics. I once listened to uh, a civil case where an elevator failed, and I was just waiting on my case or to be called or waiting for a recess or something. And I listened to it, and it was a horribly tried case. I mean, the lawyers on both sides did a horrible job, and I was thinking to myself, man, I've always wanted to know how elevators work. If I had this case, I would make this exciting, right? Because you could. But anyway, they were experts for the day in elevator maintenance and science. Uh, But we've learned to sort of say, all right, I am not the, uh, the expert, going back to the original thing we talked about, in DNA. But I can sit down and understand and help analyze DNA problems with other experts around and then see now where it's inherently flawed, where their logic is inherently flawed, I can see it. And I don't care if they've been doing it for a million years, I can see it. When two and two doesn't equal four, I can see it. Um, and then you have, then I get into the, the realm of what's motivating them, why is it like that? Because I, on behalf of my client, need to attack that expert. You know, it's like um, I had a case where it was about backward extrapolation of blood alcohol content. And what they do is they take certain uh, presumptions and say, all right, most people uh, have a rate of elimination of alcohol from their body of whatever the factor is, X per minute or whatever it is. And then they apply that across the board, create a national or a world average based on how, no, I don't know how they came up with that. And they're going to apply it to Norm's case that you must have had six beers. And, you know, the prosecutors are in there with the the guys with resumes and CVs a mile long, CVs being their, their sort of expertise, their studies, their experience, their education. And they're saying this crap. And I'm looking at it like, this doesn't make any sense at all. This is like buying a house in a neighborhood and saying, I'm just going to take the average price of every house in the neighborhood and call that my price. And that was going to be my argument. We got the case resolved. But as my argument to the jury, it's like, this is what they're doing. This is their science. They're saying that we know there's going to be variances amongst everybody, some very, very broad. And my case was narrow enough where it would have mattered. Um, And they're just going to use this standard average 
of the price of every single house in the neighborhood and apply it to my house. They're not even going to let me look in at the bathrooms to see if they've been updated or see if they this one has a basement and that one doesn't. Does this guy have a house that's right on the corner where there's on a busy street? Does this guy have a house over there? There's all these differences. They standardize it, apply it to everybody. The scientists got on the stand in a pretrial hearing and wouldn't even acknowledge the problem. Wow. Nope, this is just how it is. <laughs> and I was dumbfounded. Yeah. I was like, how is this not as obvious as day? Yeah. And how does this happen? The guy was a government scientist, and I was like, how does he not see this? Right. And then, the, you know what their answer was? You don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Right. Lawyer. Right. You're, you, you know, you're just not educated enough to see this. Right. You don't get it. You're not, you're not, you know, we have the training. Trust us. We know. And it was a very eye-opening experience. And apply that day in and day out to, quote, science that both sides are touting. And I guess Einstein has a quote or some of these old school 50 scientists, like, we're screwing up science. Uh, We need to simplify science so the masses can understand it. The more complex it gets, you know you can trust it less. You know, it's like you should be able to explain in very simple terms what you're doing. Now, there may be the more complex there are things that you need to know terms, but if you understand the terms, you should be able to explain it. Right, right. Well, one of the things in this vaccine uh, education that the American public is is going through um, it seems I, a lot of people are frustrated right now. And a, even a liberal like Sanjay Gupta on CNN uh, asked Fauci recently about the hundred thousand or the hundred million, basically a third of the country, um, and a third of um, of all Americans um, have had COVID, and therefore have some amount of immunity. Whether you know it's it's long lasting, or whether it's short, or you know, or or how effective it is, you know, we're, we I guess maybe it's not even being studied. It seems to be like your example with uh, blood alcohol, it seems to be something that the scientific establishment doesn't want us to talk about. Right. They do. So Fauci's answer to Gupta was, I don't have a good answer for you on the effectiveness of, of, um, of the immunity obtained through natural means yeah. by having had COVID. Uh, but an Israeli study came out and said, uh, that from the statistics they've gathered in Israel, you know, <laughs> Israel has some pretty kick-ass doctors, pretty kick-ass pharmaceutical uh, manufacturers. So, you know, it's not exactly a backwards country. So Israel uh, put out a study, and Gupta asked about this study to Fauci. What about the 27 times more effective claim in the Israeli study of natural immunity obtained by having had COVID versus the vaccine. So, so if, if your mind can wrap around this, say, say Ohio State, and my math isn't that good, say Ohio State scores one touchdown, let's call that the vaccine. The Israeli scientists are saying that natural immunity is 27 times that touchdown. So what's, what would that score? I, you know, 
I mean, seven times 10, 70, 20, 140, and then add seven. You know, it's, I like, mean, it's, it's another it's, 49. So yeah, it's, all, it's, it's, it's what we're approaching, what, 200 or something? Yeah, 189, I, mean, I think. 180, Luckily, it's not the Oregon game, but yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, I so. mean, that's, that's the, ca- the, the yeah. you know, the chasm between the two. I mean, it's, it's, it's an enormous difference. And to think that a third of Americans might have that level of immunity, well, then, Really, the vaccine, if you want to impose that, would be on the other two thirds, wouldn't it? And then, and then you want to ask. Like I always want to know. I was, like I said, I would want to know what are the long term effects of the vaccine on those who have natural immunity. Is that a problem? And it, here's, here's. I guess I always look at this. How would I deal with an expert on the witness stand? But they won't talk about this subject. That's the they frustrating part. It, right. And We're told to shut up, shut up and get the vaccine. Us. Shut up and trust us. Just get the vaccine, and you won't get the you won't get COVID. But that's blowing up in their face because you will the break the breakthrough the breakthrough infections that are now happening to people that have had the vaccine. As I mentioned in Massachusetts, the governor came out and said seventy four percent of their hospital cases. That's well over 50%. 74% are people in the hospital who have already had the vaccine who now have COVID. Yep. I mean, and, and, dude, obviously the vaccine is not the panacea. Now, they now it would be a fair answer to say, yeah, but their symptoms are less and they don't get as sick. All right, fine. Let's study it and figure it out. But let's be truthful. And be truthful yeah, just, about just, it. Right. Yeah, look, right. You know, hey, give us the good news and the bad news. Sure. D- d- How just, effective is it? What is it? Do we well, know? And this is what I've... I, I, Fauci I, has admitted that he lied. You know, he mm-hmm. has admitted that he dissembled, you know, to try to get the American people to do certain things. Right. He's manipulating he, people. He's on record in front of Congress lies. that said, yes, I did white lies. Yeah. So, en- nothing... hey, enough of that already. I mean, we, we, we're entitled to know the facts now. Yeah, you're, we're paying your check, you asshole. Yeah. Right? We, you know? Yeah. We, we, you know we, I want to know the truth. I'm not paying you to lie to me well, to we're, manipulate we're, we're, me. We're being treated like little children. Like children, right. You know, yeah. go to bed. Why? Because I say so. All right. We, we need uh, to know the know. facts. Yeah, I oh, am. Yeah. Uh, it it yeah. just is, uh, as, I, as I, I just have questions that, as you said, Norm, they're not answering. Like, I would want to know, what are the long-term effects of the vaccination? And how does anybody know that? Right. Because we don't. Doctors are being stifled. Doctors are being shut down. There are doctors who want to discuss this, who have have had their YouTube panel discussions. There was even a Senate hearing. Oh, I know. The, The Senate, the United States Senate, had taped a hearing, and YouTube, Google, which owns YouTube, took the hearing off of YouTube. It's remarkable, right? We don't have access to our own government videos. It is it is remarkable. And this is what causes this is what causes the distrust of everything now that is being said. So, you know, at some point the shape shifts so many times that you can't even understand where it began or where it's going. And you just say you throw up your hand and say, I don't trust anything they're telling me. And um, that is a far more dangerous phenomenon, I think than somebody who wants to study the vaccines and make a choice. I mean, it's like the government, I think the backlash of that phenomena is more likely to cause people knee-jerk not to get the shot than if they just shared all the good and the bad. Correct. You know, if they just told you. Right. 
Correct. And say, here's the risk. Here's the here's what it is. It's good for some. May not be good for everybody. If Correct. you're pregnant, there's some studies that show that it's bad. If, right. If you're a kid, you know the kids are having a heart attack. Instead, they're suppressing it, and people are getting snippets of the information that may or may not be true. You don't right. know for sure. And then it comes off, and then they call those people conspiracy theorists, and those people are saying, wait a minute, this happened to me. It's not a conspiracy. Right. And then they're on YouTube, but then they get shut down. It's like, well, why'd they get shut down? Is right. it because they're lying, or is it because they don't want the truth to come out? It, it's, it's endless. It's endless. And, and I think the scientists are, are, are in this unusual situation. They're in a hot seat that they don't have answers. And, the people, and they don't want to sit there in the hot seat that they don't have the answers yeah. because that's their job is to have the answers. Well, it's like and, and we're, no one does at this point well, in time. Change, we right. don't know. Well, yeah, Brett, Brett, Steve could see where I was going. Yeah. It's like climate change. Yeah. There, there is, there is an institutional answer to these questions, and in, in, in hell to pay if you deviate. Yep. And this oh is, yeah. This is the yeah. problem when you combine politics and scientific study. It used to be that we would say, well, these are government scientists. These are the sharpest minds around. These are the people who put a rocket on the moon. And now I hear government science, and I think they're corrupt. <laughs> you know? Well, they're outcome determinative. It, yes. It's, it's whoever's paying me tells me ahead of time, you know, whether it's a big pharma client or whether it's a government agency, you know, yep. whether it's some kind of commission looking into climate change. They have, they have an agenda. They want a certain outcome. I mean, take the red wine producers. You know, like every we, we can all recall, you know, hearing these pop science, you know, things where you know it's mainly to make ladies feel good about, you know, oh, if you have a glass of wine once a day, your your chances of having angina, you know, or or yeah. or, or some or whatever, it is, you know, or it helps weight loss. Or I mean, they would come up with some cockamamie. It's nonsense. But it's just nonsense, and it's all based on, oh, you're paying me. Well, I'll write a study that 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 says that. You bet. And yeah. then the government adopts it, and it gets sent out through some Surgeon General thing, like a glass of wine a day is okay. Or what, the food pyramid's a great example. Yeah. Total nonsense. Total nonsense. It was, and they knew it at the time. It was nonsense. And then they right. made a whole generation of Americans fat. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, all because it tickled certain uh, special interest groups uh, and made people a lot of money. Uh, and, and this is why you can't combine uh, this government cram down of science uh, and expect non-political results. It's, it is a real shame because science for pure science is a wonderful thing. It. I mean, when you, when you think of, you know, when you think of, um, you know, great scientists that I think it was um, Thomas Edison had tried some enormous number. I want to say like 600. It was some enormous number of different filament materials before he chanced on a burnt up piece of string that then turned into carbon. And then that became the filament for the yeah. light bulb. You know, at that time, it, it's, it, yeah. believe it or not, there are still some Edison light bulbs from his early years that are still burning, and they won't turn them off because they're afraid that it'll if they burn, turn yeah. the power off and then flick it back on, it'll go pop. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, pure science is so great. You know, we, we, we were exploring the moon not because we had an idea of exactly what we would find. Okay, when Neil Armstrong stepped in Ohio and stepped off the that final rung on the on the ladder down and put his foot into that dust, I remember my dad talking to Neil Armstrong at at some roast or some kind of benefit, 
and he got to he got to talk to him. He said, "Well, Neil, did did they tell you what that would feel? I mean, how did you know you weren't going to sink down two feet, you know, or or go into quicksand?" Or he said, "Well, we didn't know. I mean, that is pure science. Yeah, that's... Where you don't arrive at the moon, or you don't arrive at full immunity, okay, without doing the basic research that." Sure, you don't going there. You start with a premise, you experiment, if and, and then you and, find out the answers. And you don't. This is this is this is what drives me nuts about modern science, the traditional scientific method. Going back to Aristotle, you start with a premise, and you experiment not to prove the premise correct, but to disprove it. And as soon as you disprove it, you go back to the beginning, modify the premise, and start over until you have narrowed this down to something you can uh, rely on. If you start with the idea that I'm going to prove I'm correct, if I have a guy, if I have a witness in a courtroom that starts with that, th- this was a, there, the staircase was a Netflix series, one of these series where uh, it was a murder case and they, the government uh, hired a blood splatter expert to come in and duplicate the exact blood spatter pattern. And they tried like 100 times or 500 times, and they finally got it. And they're on video cheering when they finally got it. But 499 times or however many it was before, they didn't. And they said that proved, the, that proved it. They didn't set out to disprove that it could be wrong or disprove that this was uh, a murder. They set out to prove it was a murder through the scientific method, and it was inherently flawed. Yeah. Like, it, it was so astronomical. They had to tweak it in so many different ways to try to just get it the one time, and then they did a cheer and stopped. And it, nobody thought for a second that maybe they had it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and this is what's going on now. People are setting out to prove their theory, not disprove it. And anything that disproves it, they they are not only rejecting out of hand, but they are cramming it out. I mean, they're, they're eliminating any discussion about it instead of actually – and think what that does exponentially. So think how much that stifles knowledge, learning, science, and, 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 and moving forward with actual studies on COVID, actual oh, studies on the efficacy of vaccines it's and, terrible. and herd immunity. Like, it's think terrible. what we could learn and we're not because these assholes want it to be their way politically for whatever power-driven reason they have on both sides. I, I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, and it's like, if, you're gonna, if we're going to have this, if this has replaced our scientists, then we're in trouble. Yeah. I, well, you know, the entire scientific method is to ask questions. And so it's all about peer review. It's all about always being open to being challenged. That is the mark of a good scientist. Yes. A good scientist is always willing to entertain challenges. That's the whole point of science is that it goes from theory into fact. Yes. When no further questions can pierce now, the results. That's when something goes from theory to fact. And you should you should always a, a person who espouses a person who has done study and ha- has a theory and has published that theory should always be open to peer review, always be open to being questioned about it, and always be willing to do further investigation and further testing to ascertain whether or not what they believe is a solid theory remains solid. That's the whole point of science. So once you get your experiment done and you think that you have a valid premise, that your, your, initial, uh, your initial hypothesis is correct, you publish it and ask for peer review. You ask other people to criticize it. You invite it. You invite yeah. criticism. That's called constructive criticism. Right. 
That is doesn't if, happen anymore. It, yeah, and if your theory survives constructive criticism, if it survives that scientific questioning by your peers, by educated people, by uneducated uneducated people, but primarily by educated people, if they challenge you, so you know if. Um, Oh, gosh, what's that scientist uh, from Stanford, Scott? Um, oh, gosh, he's uh, he worked for Trump for a couple of months. Um, at, at any rate, he, he's the one that is, 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 it seems to be a, a touchstone for the, for the uh, people that, um, um, you know, dislike Trump's policy on the, on the vaccine. Um, if, if, if he, he cannot ask questions, if, if somebody were to shut down Dr. Gupta or, or shut down other people that question uh, Fauci, and we just have a Borg, and we just have uh, we just have a monolithic uh, scientific um, line, then science is done, yeah. and 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 then and then we won't learn anything for the next time. No, you're actually this. It's uh, we are entering if this continues the our equivalent of the of the dark ages of medieval science. But uh, you know, it's funny, Norm. I wrote. I'm going to tout my own website here at OhioLegalDefense.com. I wrote a blog on this because I got so upset by this in the midst of the shutdowns that I was just I was beside myself that I wrote a I wrote a blog like why. And here's the title: Why am I a science denier? And that is exactly what you want from your criminal defense attorney. Um, and you can check that out at my blog at OhioLegalDefense.com just to have a self-serving plug right there. But it's about this stuff. It's about why and how uh, we've become uh, just married to this notion that the government's always right, that once it's done, it's done, and, and knowledge ends at whatever conclusion we agree with at a particular right. time. And Scott Scott Atlas is who oh, I was thinking. Okay, Dr. Scott Atlas. So, so in all of this, though, and, and again, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit, but at the same time, we haven't touched upon the immediacy that was put on this. Yes, most other science, the 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 regimen that goes through in regards to prove a theory, yes, has its own timetable. Yes, right. We put whether artificial or real, right. we put a we put a different timetable right. on sure did on COVID. Right. That all of a sudden we're getting media coverage of hospitals. We're getting, you know, that the con- the convention center in downtown Columbus yes. is going to be the overflow if we don't do this. Sure. Yeah. The Navy hospital ships pulled right. into port. Right. It was a Whether, flat out emergency. So, you know, so, so does, there, that change, a, does it change things or not? Not at all. Though? I think because okay. there's two different things at play here. One, we have the notion of pure science and a quest for knowledge and learning. And the other is well, actually several notions. The other is government government policy and and um, and freedom, right? So we have all these competing things. None is really more important than the other. They're all important individually to us at different levels maybe, but we have this idea that, all right, we have this looming uh, emergency and we on good reason believe that this could be catastrophic, fine. That's why I sat here at this table and said, listen, if it is true that we're gonna have 15 days or two weeks to flatten the curve and figure this out, I'm cool with it, but I don't believe it because um, I, I didn't think for a second it'd be 15 days. Once that starts, it has no end. But where where does where does the emergency end? Um, the hospitals didn't fill up. We didn't need the ships in in uh, New York Harbor. We didn't need uh, our convention center, and it just kept going and going and going. Like it was a good thing. Let's just keep it going because I like, it's doing. You know? I like I like Brett's question 
about the emergency aspect. And what I, what I would an, analogize it to is uh, fire. So, okay. Sure. So there are different types of fire yeah. that are fed yeah. by different kinds of fuels. Right. And you put the fires out in different ways. Some fires you throw water on. Some, some you use uh, carbon uh, dioxide. Some, some you use uh, halon. Uh, there's all different ways. You know, you, you, you roll on the ground in a blanket to put yourself out. I mean, there's all different kinds of ways to address uh, a fire. And, you know, a fireman who arrives on the scene who knows what is burning, you know, is that gasoline? Is that uh, the drapes and carpet? What, what's fueling the fire? Then I can bring the right agent to put out that fire. So early on, I think you make a really great point. I think your point that you were implying is, hey, we, there's this COVID thing, and and we think it might actually be lethal. And they were telling the president early on, maybe as many as 10% or 15 or 20% of the American population could actually die from mm-hmm. this. You know, you got to do something. So I, I understand taking a a rough, calculated swipe at something. Um, and I think our Constitution is elastic enough to allow that, as Steve mentioned, for a little while, okay? Temporary orders, a little bit of this, a little bit of that for a, a limited period of time. But I think, and, and so our government did that, but then I think when it becomes a way of life, that's when it overstepped the Constitution. Well, and here's why. So once we have a political decision to shut down, I'll just, I'll just pose a conspiracy theory. You have a political decision without that doesn't necessarily have bad intent. You have a political decision to shut down because of the fear, all right? Right. And in order to do that, you've really put people, you've put people out of their jobs, out of their lives. You know, everything's on hold. You've really caused some havoc, and caused suicides and suicides and all sorts of all these other problems. Yeah. And then you say, all right, we're going to shut down. Then we're going to get our scientists. We're going to get a fast decision on this as much as we can in the short period of time, understanding that it's not going to be complete. We are going to have to make the best decision we can make based on incomplete information. Right. But we're never going to stop looking at it. Because we don't know what's fueling the fire. Yeah. We're never going to stop studying. We don't know what to bring to bear on this. Now, if it turns out that I, as the person in charge, was wrong, I was wrong because it turns out I relied on this science. It turns out the science was something else than what I thought it was. Right. I've got a choice. And here's where power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Because my choice is I get up on the news and say, ladies and gentlemen, we the people or, or uh, you know, the, the, what's the, what they always say, the people of the United States. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. My fellow Americans, what I'm trying to come at. Yeah. My fellow Americans, I made a decision last or two weeks ago based on what I thought was the correct input from the professionals. Right. I turns out, and fortunately for the United States of America, that I that they were wrong, that it wasn't what we thought it was. That I the have, hospitals be, I have better info now. Yeah, now yeah. we have better info. And we're gonna. I promise you, we're gonna keep studying it. But it looks like it's not this. It's not that. And it doesn't have to be two. It could have been three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. At any time, right. they could have said this. But instead, what we got is a private, influenced by government, if not direct government smackdown of any debate on the topic. It was completely squelched. We were not allowed to say, that is, doctors were not allowed to go up and say, listen, we got a treatment regimen here. We don't need a vaccine. We can treat, they're shut down. These are board certified docs. 
that we have we have scientists who are saying, wait a minute, I got a question about this. Can't we? Isn't this something out there shut down because the emergency is so grave and so many people are dying that we don't even have time for your debate? Right. That's when it goes too far. You can never. The, if the government is going to make that decision, fine, be able to justify it, but you dare not stop the study. Right. You dare not. Yeah shut down any contrary opinion. Well, this will make half your audience, or our audience, I guess. If I'm part of this little conspiracy called 511, <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's my audience, too. Uh, God help us. But uh, this is probably upset about half the people. And I don't mean this in any kind of, uh, you know, um, misogynistic way. But there tends to be, because... You know, our the female gender is is a generally a little bit more caring, sensitive, um, a, a little bit more uh, a little bit more so than men. Uh, so I'm actually criticizing men, not women. But there is this norms theory of the of the continued and uh, accelerated feminization of our culture that took hold, Steve. And that is the, the zero-sum game. So we went from flattening the curve, which meant we didn't want to over, overwhelm the hospitals, to a very classically, because not all women are like this by any means, but a very classically feminine attitude that if it saves just one person, I, you hear that phrase all the time, if it just saves one person, then society should spend whatever it takes and expend all the resources it takes, you know, whether that's cancer, whether it's uh, children, you know, being lost in a car wreck or, or any other tragedy. If we can just spend whatever it is, whatever it takes to save just one child. That attitude, though, when, when mated with the COVID emergency has gotten us to where we're at. Well, to and, where and we're, we're now looking for zero COVID cases. Correct. That is the gold standard now. Yeah. That's, that's where we went from containing it, okay, and, and making it an acceptable risk to, to, now, to now there is no risk and the problem, that we will accept. And, and the problem with this is it, it, there's a notion that's a fundamental truth back to this in the world called scarcity. And there's always scarcity of something. You know, you, there's not unlimited resources. No. Uh, so if we're going to no. spend all our time and money to prevent this one death of COVID, then that money is getting allocated away from other things. Oh, yeah. We can't have it all. We can't Bre- just Breast have... cancer. I mean, That's uh, right. heart attacks. Uh, and, you know, all uh, the, the know, variety of things. I can eliminate crime. I've said this 100 times over. I can eliminate crime. You know, just put me in charge for a day. You know how I'm going to eliminate crime? I'm putting jackboots on the streets, and the first person that jaywalks, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, death penalty for uh, parking violations. And, I mean, and there will be gosh, no more be no jaywalking. <laughs> you will end it. Yeah, because you make a good point about the zero sum, because if we, if we are going to go down that path, then we need to eliminate the flu. Because yes. if I'm a flu carrier and I give it to you, right. and you get pneumonia and right. die from it, right. I've just killed you. And and that's yeah. that's that's we a, can't we can't, we build can't our, do that we and, can't yeah. and that'll never happen though no and, that will never happen and, and, and we we're we're into this permanent medical dictatorship if if we don't as Americans agree amongst ourselves that yeah we're messy dirty beasts we're going to give each other germs that's kind of been the deal 
right. since the dawn of man. And, 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 and it th- makes us stronger. That's the yeah. thing, right? Now, I, I would agree that if you're going to focus some resources, maybe on they should be focused on stop making viruses yeah. <laughs> more well and that's an under, another underlying theme of this yeah. it's been so politicized has this been manufactured which i think it has been yeah it's pretty much and understood now. it, it so is it and crazy. so therefore we've got to figure that one out too you right. know so and this is this is probably the most politicized thing that has happened in our lifetime and it happened at a time when there is this cultural and philosophical divide on where this country ought to go. It's like you have people that really are pushing in the direction of a, of a socialist uh, type of government, and you have those who want a traditional republic, the freedom. And, and well, this Steve, is, it's, it's even worse than that. So layered on top of what you just said, which is all true, layered on top of that was this antipathy against Trump. Yes. So you have the, the head anti-vaxxer of all time was Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Who said during the campaign, "Hey, if it's a Trump vaccine, I ain't taking it. I ain't getting it. He's got cooties, so I'm not going to get it." Right? <laughs> I That's mean, a- and 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 now she's 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 the head nurse. Now, if you're a Trump supporter, you don't get vaccinated. I it's, mean, it's, it's nonsense. It's insane. So, so it's a 180 degree flip based on and the, politics. The, and I think the last study—it's been a couple months, or maybe a month since I read it—but the, the last study I read is that the most unvaccinated folks were African Americans in New York City. Well, that's why I say Nicki Minaj and Joy Reid having this big blow up uh, yesterday and the day before over Nicki Minaj saying, I'm not getting a vaccine. And Joy Reid saying, you got 22 million followers on Twitter. I only have 2 million. And look how you're abusing your your stage. And and Minaj says, she she called her a a dumbass B. Mm -hmm. Joy Reid, which... Joy Reid is a dumbass bee. Yeah, there's so, uh, it, she is, and I would say Nikki, look in the mirror. But but at any rate, you have these two people that are just they're both crazies, and and they're on the left side. They're both African American. They're both women, and they're having this argument. And there's no Trump involved, is there? I don't think Nikki voted for Trump. No, I, probably not. Trump's a, Trump's the red herring that it, no matter what the Trump's it, a like, vaccine advocate, and he was the advocate. <laughs> he got it. I mean, it's he's like, still a vaccine. When he gives speeches today, he will say, "Go get that vaccine. Yeah. Warp speed, save the day. Right. We're you know we're the good guys. Go get. I got it." He'll say, "Hey, me and Melania, we got it. I got it. Yep. Get, get the vaccine." And so it's just a red herring. So I, I, the ridiculous. problem is I think we're so lost right now on what what to believe and what not to believe. And it's because of government disinformation and control of the flow of what happens out there. Right. And as soon as you start doing that, it creates the chaos that uh, that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I had like three questions. I'm just going to take one. Uh, it was on the website. So those of you, uh, we didn't do a blitz interface, but we did have uh, the website open for questions. That's Ohio or uh, LawyerTalkPodcast.com. Uh, somebody asked, do I have to talk to the police, like tell them where I'm going and stuff like that when I'm stopped uh, at a traffic violation? Uh, or maybe a DUI is probably really what's going on. And a lot of times the police will stop you and they'll say, hey, sir, how you doing? Awful hurry today. Where are you heading? Uh, and they, they start they engage you in this dialogue. Um, well, the simple answer is no. You don't have to answer any questions. It doesn't matter. Now, don't confuse this with Miranda. There is something out there called Miranda versus Arizona, which talks about if you're in, quote, custody and being interrogated, that is, asked questions that are meant to get you to 
uh, incriminate yourself or give them information they can use, then they have to first read you your rights. This is a different question. What we're talking about is just a general Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. If you just go down the list of amendments, you'll get to number five and you have a right to remain silent. Um, that means they cannot force you to testify against yourself. They can't force you to talk. And if you want a lawyer, you have a right to have a lawyer. That's in the Sixth Amendment. Uh, there's some debate about when that attaches at formal adversarial proceedings. I'm getting technical, but I'm going to bring it back home simply in a second. But it's been interpreted to be this. If you want a lawyer and you tell the police you want a lawyer before you make any statements, uh, then they can't make you talk. And you, even if you say, I want a lawyer before I make any statements, you can politely decline not to answer those questions. Now, what's going to happen? So if you're just uh, noontime in a hurry to get back to work because you had a late lunch and you're going 60 and a 45 and the police officer says, hey, what you in a hurry for, sir? And you just look at him and deadpan him. It's like you can expect a little bit of static there. You you can expect that he's going to be a, he's going to be put on his heels a little bit, and that's going to change the nature of the interaction uh, of the stop. It's going to change it from just a simple traffic inquiry into something more. And so, just because you have the right, uh, be careful. I'm not saying you not to not to exercise it, but if you do it out of almost like a foot stamping spite, you can't make me talk, Mister Copper. Well you know, he's going to start investigating more. And he might even go so far as to violate your constitutional rights as a result of it. And that doesn't make it right that he does those things. But it also, we we have some control over what we're portraying to the world. So if you say, I ain't talking to you, Mr. Piggy Copper, well, you know, he's going to give you a different response. And if you said, well, I'm just late for lunch and or late at a late lunch, I'm in a hurry to get back to work. I'm sorry. All right. I would say you don't have to say that statement. I would even say probably shouldn't say that statement because you've just confessed to speeding. But uh, there is somewhat of an individual balancing test. Now, let's say you're pulled over and you happen to be driving a trailer, and in that trailer you have, uh, you know, say 100 kilos of cocaine packed in neat little bricks inside crates, and uh, the police officer says, what you in such a hurry for in this rental truck pulling a trailer that's got uh, a false tag on it. New Mexico plates. With, exactly. uh, with California plates. <laughs> like, that's a good time not to talk to the police. All right? That's a good time to remain silent and not talk to the police. Uh, and, and here's what they do. They, they pull people over for, say, following too closely or something like that. They start poking around asking you questions, and they look for a response from you that is inconsistent. Uh, they look for furtive movements, nerves, uh, odd behavior, and based on that, they lengthen the stop. They, they, they make it longer by saying, why don't you step out here and take a rest in the back of the cruiser? I'm going to have old Fido here take a run around your car and, and sniff for drugs. And the police dog comes out, and they start sniffing around the trailer, and lo and behold, they find 100 kilos of cocaine packed in neatly, bri neatly wrapped bricks inside crates. So I, I guess the point is no, or the answer ultimately is like any other answer in law norm, it really all depends. Uh, you always have the right, and maybe it doesn't. You always have the right to say, I don't want to make any statements. Whether you should do that or not all depends. If you feel like you should not tell them something that you've been doing, then please don't. Exercise your right. It's not a crime to exercise your right. It doesn't matter if they think you're guilty because you don't talk to them, because guess what? They already think you're guilty. They're just going to think it more, and maybe not even more. So the answer to that question is, 
Uh, you do not have to answer such questions when stopped by the police in a traffic stop or any other encounter. You can always say, I'd rather have a lawyer present before I make any statements. And if you've happened to engage in behavior that you think might be questionable or illegal or otherwise problematic, I would please encourage you to do that. And, and obviously, the best move, Norm, put this number in your phone, 614-224-6142. That's 614-224-6142. Put it in your phone right now. That way, when you're pulled over after the Ohio State game next week, even if you're still stinging from the Oregon loss, uh, you have somebody to call if you've had a little bit uh, too many or one too many at the tailgate or a few too many pites at roosters and, and over the chicken wings. So uh, that would be uh, that'd be the smartest move of all. If you've only taken that away from this hour and 23-minute podcast, that's the best. Uh so, a couple of things to wrap it up. Brett, you got folks coming in. I saw we had an email that uh, uh, yeah, some other doing folks. doing all sorts of stuff. Podcasts, we're doing video recordings. My gosh, we're yeah. getting busy again. So, so that's great. video recordings, like this is a podcast studio. Wait, no. What we can do here for you is if you want a podcast and you want to have uh, cameras on every participant at the table, we can accommodate. If you want to have every participant at the table, plus you want to be able to uh, throw up uh, display information from your PC, laptop, or whatever, we'll plug you right in. We'll get you going. Got you, got, got you green screen, in fact. Yep. We're set up here. You, you can be in Hawaii while you're in here. Wow. You, you want to go to Hawaii, you come to 511, walk yeah. down the stairs to bring the bunker. Bring your surfboard. Bring yeah. your surfboard. It'll be exactly. a nice prop. <laughs> and uh, we can do an interview. Brett has done a wonderful job, I've seen, with lots of uh, local commercial vendors uh, supplying, like doing a Q&A type interview stuff for websites. Uh, did it with me. we got some rolling out and uh, a really great marketing tool. And we can beat the price probably of all those crazy expensive marketing, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'm sure they do a great job too. Not as good as us. No. So, oh my God, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can check us out at channel 511.com. Plus you don't get to work with us. You don't get to work with us. Uh, yeah. And and we'll throw in a bonus. We'll let you sit at the podcast. There you go. Right. right. Come yeah. do a show with us. Right. I, and, and, and that's another good point. Anybody who's got a question or want to sit down, go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. We'll bring you in. You, you don't like uh, uh, Norm's brand of conservatism or, or my legal perspective or Circle 270 over there. Brett uh, being the devil's advocate, and you think one of us needs some help? Come on in, man. We'll talk to you. You got something interesting to say? I'll talk to you. I warn you. We're be, tough. We're be tough. prepared, but I, yeah. We're tough. Can I, I can I throw my pitch in there? Yeah. I would love to uh if, if someone's listening that is a veteran of the military intervention in Afghanistan. Um I think we'd love to have one or two guests in yeah sure yeah for for yeah. a broadcast here uh at the table for for an hour yeah. uh if there is a, a veteran uh out there uh uh it would be especially great if if it's someone from ohio which um you know uh, so it's somebody local and i would like to discuss the exit from afghanistan the ascendancy of the taliban and the putative ascendancy of al-Qaeda, once again, uh, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the loss of uh, some almost 3,000 people uh, 20 years ago, and then the continued losses uh, of first responders who contracted you know, various medical conditions by uh, going in and um, uh, trying to salvage lives from the... Uh, from the three crash uh, locations, the three uh, um, acts of terrorism locations. So it would be, it, I think it would be instructive, and I think your voices need to be heard 
you're the people that paid the price. You paid the dues. You went there to defend our country. You went there to uh, ensure our continued freedoms. Um, and uh, we have so much respect for that. We would love to hear, we would love to have a, a, a couple of uh, veterans of, of the Afghanistan uh, uh, conflict uh, join us. Yeah, you bet. And you can do that just by reaching out. You can go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. You can uh, even call me upstairs at the law firm, 614-224-6142. Uncomfortable about coming in, don't want to come in, afraid about uh, masks, vaccines, whatever. We're, we're, free as, uh, we're free here, so we're, we won't give you any grief, but no worries. We can do you by Zoom. We can get you in on the phone. We can do all sorts of different things. So feel free to uh, check us out. Uh, and then uh, finally, I, I, I should wrap it up by saying this. Brett was uh, always keeping tabs because he is the podcast guru in town that uh, let me know today that this is number 200, 200 episodes. We've been doing lawyer talk off the record, started as a small little um, uh, marketing lawyer, blah, 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 boring podcast upstairs with a law firm. It has morphed into what I think is a pretty cool show with lots of good content and lots of good uh, debate and discussion and uh, with an open invite to others to join. So 200 episodes, a uh, lot of changes in the last couple of years that we've been doing this. You know, we, we've lost a couple of people, unfortunately. Uh, they've passed on, or one anyway. Uh, Jared is uh, recuperating in the hospital from a motorcycle accident. Uh, the beard has gone on to bigger and better things with another law firm, but uh, the show must go on mm -hmm. and it will. And uh, that's the, that's, what's awesome about this. It is no less uh, important to me to uh, keep open discussions to uh, I guess, to promote the spirit of the round table here at five eleven because it is round. That means there's no corners. We are all uh, working to uh, engage in a free open and public debate right here in the studio, hopefully uncensored by uh, anyone ever. Yeah. So. And, 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 and the fact is that 90% of all podcasts don't make it past episode number seven. Huh? Wow. Well, yeah. just either I got a whole lot of hot air. <laughs> got something going here. Yeah, so. But yeah, it's a, it's a feat. It is a feat in itself. So, yep. yep. So anyway, this has been uh, lawyer talk off the record on the air, at least until now.